Welcome you to the Holiday Week edition of the OTP, the official Titans podcast. We are recording this on Monday, December the 23rd. My name is Mike Keith, joined as always by Amy Wells. Hello, Mike. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Coach Dave McGinnis. Hi, Mike Keith. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and Jim White, the great Jim White from TitansOnline.com. Welcome. Welcome and Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy to be here. All right. So an abbreviated version of the OTP because this is a bit of an unusual week Let's take just a second and talk about the Saints game on Sunday, won by New Orleans over Tennessee, 38-28. Amy Wells, what stood out to you about Tennessee's game with New Orleans yesterday? The way that the Titans were able to hang with the New Orleans Saints, and I'm not saying that in that these are two very different teams because in the NFL, everybody's good, but the Titans were playing without so many weapons and with without so many strong pieces that was a game all the way through, and it was entertaining, and the Titans were all the way in it. I was very proud of the way that this Titans team looked without a full roster. No, I, 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 was, I thought it was an excellent game plan on both sides of the ball. Offensively, without Henry, I thought you know Arthur Smith and his group did a really nice job. Defensively, against the best wide receiver and passing game in the league, I thought they did it. You know, this guy caught, how many has he caught, 144? You know, yes. He's going to get his catches. So Got they, 12. I mean, yeah, yeah. So they, I mean, they was good. The only thing that, that I, I thought the kickoff coverage, that's probably the poorest kickoff coverage we've seen all year. And that's a little unusual for us because normally the special teams coverage units this year have been good. Yeah, I'm with you on kick coverage. That was one of the downs in my six uh, things that stood out. I, I, you know, individual performances, I thought Roberson really played well when, when given the opportunity. Tajay Sharp stepped up when A.J. Brown couldn't really have the success he had previous week. But I, I'm kind of along the same lines of, of Amy is just the effort, the enthusiasm, the energy, kind of the feistiness that the team played with from the very beginning. I mean, no Derrick Henry. Uh, I think everyone knew that the game uh, – you know, against the Texans was going to be of greater importance. And you're facing one of the top teams in the league coming in here with an 11-3 and record and jump on a 14 nothing early. It basically couldn't get there because of a swing play here or there. The Raymond play at the end was, was huge. But um, I, I like the effort and the enthusiasm and, and, uh, and the guts I thought the team showed against one of the best teams in the league. Let's talk about the Khalif Raymond play. Just over four minutes to go, Titans have gotten the ball back at their own 38 after the fake punt fails for the Saints. It's a three-point game. Tannehill throws to Khalif Raymond. He's going to be down at the 40-yard line. He takes a hit from uh, Garner Johnson and loses the ball. Garner Johnson picks it up and returns it to the Titans 25 for what eventually ends up being the clinching score. So, number one, was it a catch? Did he maintain possession of the ball long enough? I'm going to ask all three of you, but Coach Mack, you're going first. And number two, was it a penalty? Was it both? First of all, it was a catch. Okay, three feet down? Yeah, first of all, it's a catch. Second of all, it was a penalty. It was such egregious malpractice by Jerome Bolger and his crew. That is why that rule is in place. That's why that rule is in place. It doesn't – you don't have to be helmet to helmet. He's still a defenseless receiver at that point, and he was hit in the head with the shoulder immediately, you know, before he could defend himself. That was, as I said, Bolger and his crew, 
That wasn't the only mistake they've made, but guess what? That's not the only mistake that crew's made in their lifetime. That's a terrible crew, terrible call. Well, he couldn't defend himself because he was holding the ball. So there's that, which justifies that, yes, it was a catch. He, I was standing right there. He caught the ball. He made a football move. He started to run. But there, he, there was no way that he could have defended himself. He was a defenseless receiver. That was a terrible call. Yeah, and I, I don't think he established himself as a runner. I mean, he had just gotten possession of the ball, had his head down, and the player, Garner Johnson is who it was, was, was flagged for the exact same type of play the previous week. I know some of the Saints beat riders were talking about after the game saying it looked exactly like the one before uh, that had was called. So, uh, you know, it's a shame. And that's two weeks in a row there's been kind of a one play that's created such a 14-point swing. We had the Texans game where the right. Ferkshire interception goes the other way. That's a 14-point swing. And this was the this one happened too late in the game where you couldn't recover from it. It was pretty much game over at that point when they re- when they said that was a fumble, they returned it. They scored. Two minutes left. You're down ten. You couldn't do anything about it. So I think they, I think they missed it as well. How did they miss it? Jerome Bolger's terrible. <laughs> the crew's terrible. I'm being as honest as I can. I mean, I can go back. That that was the crew that was in the Kansas City New England game this year with the Nikhil Harry thing, where they said he was out of bounds and and he was two feet in bounds for the touchdown on the pylon. It's a bad crew. It's a bad referee. They're bad. The, the league, look, officiating this league's taking a lot of hits, and rightfully so. But the way that it is, and the problem is, is the league office, Al Riveron, is defending all of it because he's not good either. That's all I got to say. But wouldn't it be better for business? Because it is known throughout the league that that is the weakest crew, we'll call it. Would it not behoove the league and give them some legitimacy with their officiating to say, you know what? We've got to do something about this and fix that specifically. I don't know. I don't know if you can let officials go. I know there's a short of. I mean, there's a shortage of officiating just throughout sports. It's hard to find yeah, officials. That's true. So I mean, I don't know if you're in a position where you can do that. But it seems like it would give the league some legitimacy to say, "Hey, if you screw this up enough times, you can't remain but here." But they're not the only ones that have had problems. Though. I know, but wouldn't it? Don't you sometimes have to like scare everybody straight? I mean, I, th- I mean, I think what's most frustrating about it is just the lack of consistency from one week to the next. You know, we talked about that being called the previous week, and then this week it's not called. And, uh, you know, I'm all for bang, bang, play. Sometimes I think, you know, defenders have a tough time in the middle of the field uh, making a play just because they're they're making split-second decisions and trying to make a hit. And it wasn't helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. It was no. defenseless. And if you're going to call him it – in the head. Right. And if you're going to call it one week, then you got to call it consistently, uh, you know, across the league. And I think that's what's so frustrating is, is what can be a call, uh, you know, in one game is not one in the next. And, uh, and unfortunately for Raymond, I mean, it looked like he was – knocked unconscious on that play. I don't know what Al Riveron is going to say publicly. Has he said something publicly yet as we as we uh, Not that I've seen. Uh-uh. Okay. I have, a, I have a hunch what Dr. Alan Sills might think of that, though. The league's chief medical officer, knowing the, the steps to which very genuinely he's gone at the whole issue about concussions and head sure. injuries. I just – I wonder, too, does college football have it right – that somebody upstairs ought to be reviewing that in those situations where you have the, what they call in college the targeting. Well, they talked about it this year about getting a you know getting another official in the booth to look at it, and they said that that they didn't want that. But you know, seriously though, 
if you've reached this level of officiating and you know the rules, and that didn't happen like it was in an obscure place. Right. That was in the middle of the field. Right. You and I are in the broadcast booth. We're a lot further away than they are. You could see that from up there. I mean, it's just, it's poor, it's egregious, it's malpractice. It really is. And as a coach, I mean, I lived it for 31 years, and I couldn't say a word. But now I can say anything I want to, and and somebody's got to say something about it, and especially that crew. I don't want to put safety on the back burner here because you worry about Khalif, but there's also a competitive advantage that occurs from that because it caused a play that totally – and I don't know if the Titans win the game or not, but they're they're in Saints territory. they got a better chance to win the game. Oh, they sure do. The other part, too, is – can Khalif play this week? Yeah, uh, you wonder about that. And, and unfortunately, we're dealing now with two receivers right. in the concussion protocol. We had Corey Davis to it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate. Many counts. Mike Pereira, the former vice president officiating for the National Football League, he said he thought he was a defense, defenseless uh, player as well. So uh, it's a bad look. Here's my point. Mike Pereira, he said that. See, I don't know because I don't. we, we don't hear. We don't have – sound on what we, but if Mike Pereira said that and that's another big issue that Mike Pereira is not doing the job that he used to do yeah. that he's doing on television that was a huge loss too and you liked his replacement as well yeah, yeah. I like Dean Blandino mm-hmm. because Dean Blandino knew the rules and he could he and plus Dean Blandino had control of the officiating department Mike Pereira had control of the officiating department there is no control right now it's it's not good all right, let's talk about another aspect from this game. And, Jim, I want to start with you on this. A.J. Brown went up against Pro Bowl corner Marshawn Lattimore, and quite frankly, he struggled some. Marshawn Lattimore, outside of one catch late in the ball game, really gave him the business for a lot of the day. What can A.J. Brown learn from that? Well, I thought he was professional in the locker room, just how he kind of handled it. He, I mean, he gave it up saying Lattimore is the best player he'd faced, and his, he made him work on his technique. He said he was physical against him. Uh, you know, He said you can learn from a, from playing against a guy like that. And we know how A.J. Brown is. He puts the time in. He puts the work in. He's gonna. This will motivate him to do more. They did a great job in kind of limiting his effectiveness, taking him out of the game other than that 49-yard run and then the late catch. Uh, so I, I just think he finds ways uh, from this experience to make himself better. He wouldn't make excuses. He did say, hey, I got open. There were plays where I got open. Ryan was just looking somewhere else, and then there were plays where Ryan was looking to him and he was covered. He felt like he won on some of those plays, but it was probably a little bit of a uh, eye-opener for him. I watched the tape. He was open some, but he, he also – and here's what he learned. With production in this league comes attention. Right. And it doesn't matter what position you're playing. If you're a great pass rusher – and all of a sudden you show up, well, then guess what? The next time, they're going to know you're there. I mean, I went through this with Aaron Donald when he first got onto the scene. I mean, we've been through it with Javon Curse here. And so, and if he wants to be a number one receiver, that's what he's going to have to be. And you can produce even when they're paying attention to you. All you got to do is look across the field at that other dude that just caught 144. Everybody knew he was going to catch it. And guess what he does? Gets open and catches it. Great player. Oh, my gosh. Impressive to watch. Mm-hmm. Impressive to watch. We, I mean, there's one down in Houston that does the same thing. Oh, yeah. And there's, yeah, one, in Atlanta, there's one in Atlanta <laughs> that we just played this year that does the same thing, too. So you can do it. 
But you have to know, if you're the man, it's coming. I mean, A.J. Brown's still a rookie. I think that he's had an incredibly productive rookie season, so we all forget that he's brand new. There are a lot of people in this game who he hasn't gone up against yet. So when A.J. gets in those big boy situations, there's going to be a learning curve. That's just kind of how this league works. And um, I think that this is a good experience for him to have, and I would wager that this will be motivating for him as he's preparing for next season. Playoff scenarios for the Titans, Jim White. I just most, you know, just updated by the NFL and Elias here within the last uh, 20 minutes. Pretty simple. You win and you're in. And, uh-huh. and that's what the Titans have got to do. You know, you've got to win. You can't count on anybody else. You don't want to head into the playoffs with the three-game losing streak. So you need to win and take care of your own business. But there is another way you can get in. The three scenarios, Titans win over Houston, they're in. A Tennessee tie plus a Pittsburgh loss or tie, and the Titans are in. Third, a Pittsburgh loss plus an Indianapolis loss or tie, and the Titans are in. So and all three of these Amy games. Wells loves a good tie. I'm yeah. not trying to participate <laughs> in any ties of any. But the, no. fa- but the fact yes. of the matter is, strategically, yeah. if you're in a situation in overtime where you're down three points and it's the last play of the game and Pittsburgh has already lost, then you're going to bring Greg Joseph out there, kick the field goal, Yep. and tie the game because that sends you to the playoffs. You are, you are never going to talk me into a tie. You're 100% right, Mike. Keith. Do you want to go to the playoffs? Yeah, but I don't want to do it on a tie. I want to win it, fair and square, why, and yeah, go in. I, I get Amy, that. Amy, stop. I don't want a chump tie game taking me into the playoffs. Amy, stop. I don't want it. No, I understand that. But what I'm saying is to get into the postseason, it's something that you have to understand. People say, well, why do you need to know about a tie? Because strategically, if we're calling the ball game on Sunday and they've got a play at the end that ties the game that gets them into the playoffs, you take the tie. Yeah, you do take the tie. I don't know if Vrabel would take the tie. Vrabel would 100%. Would Vrabel's not a tie guy. He hey, and I Hey, did see Derek Henry play yesterday? Did no, Derek Henry play yesterday? Okay, thank you. So, and and to, to cap what's on, you know, what's on the schedule. He would take the tie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that tie. Steelers travel to Baltimore. Yes. Colts travel to Jacksonville. And, of course, the Titans are in Houston. All three of those games start at 325. Uh, I love how the league does that with the 325, Coach Mack. Marketing geniuses. It's great. It makes the day so much fun. Mm-hmm. It does. And, and, you, and you, I think you have to keep your eye on an – you know, when you when you head into week 17 and there's so many different scenarios at stake, you do have to keep your eye on a noon kickoff, which is Kansas City and San Diego, because that's the one game that impacts the Texans slightly. If they can end up tied with Kansas City um, at the end of the season, then they would win the tiebreaker because they beat the Chiefs. So they potentially could move up to the number three seed. Right. Can't get a bye. Can't get a bye week in the playoffs. But they can move up to the three, and then that way you might then you can avoid playing Baltimore, uh, being on Baltimore in side round. in the divisional round. If uh, but if Kansas City wins that early game, and we're probably gonna have an idea why that game's going about the time and actives are turned in, um, then I don't know. Does that influence? Houston's decision and how they play this thing on Sunday. All right, we're sitting here with an NFL head coach. All right, NFL head coach, let's talk about this. (laughs) Houston knows they're either the three or the four. They know they're playing a playoff game at home. They know they're playing a playoff game at home the next week, maybe even on Saturday. So they know all of that. If they're the four, they play Buffalo. 
if they have a chance to be the three, they could meet, I mean, theoretically Tennessee again, but it's probably Pittsburgh at that point, you would think. And they could avoid Baltimore in the second round. They wouldn't have to play them theoretically until the AFC championship game. Knowing what you know, having sat in that chair, having made decisions like this at different points in your career, do you play everybody if you're Bill O'Brien with the chance to become the three over the four? I don't play everybody if they're not healthy. And I'm not saying not completely 100% healthy, but here's what I want. I want the healthiest team I have going into the tournament, regardless of who I'm playing. Okay, That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what my decision's based on. I'm not really if if I'm good enough to be in the in the tournament, then Which I'm good are. enough to beat anybody that I play. And you're going to have to play one of them anyway. To me, you make a decision based on the long term. That's what you make the decision based on. How hard is it on a second question going to the opposite side? Down the hall from us right now, Mike Grable and his staff are making plans. How hard is it to make plans about this game not knowing what Bill O'Brien is going to do, how he's going to deploy his personnel? It's not hard at all. It's not? No. He, he, he makes his plans that everybody's going to be there. He makes his plan that we're playing the best that they have. That's the only way you can prepare. That's the only way you prepare. Because the Tennessee Titans have to have this game. I don't, I don't care you know, if, if you're playing the Washington Generals. You've got to have this game. And so you prepare that way. Don't even worry about who they're playing. Okay, good stuff. All right, Amy Wells. Yes. We've asked you on this holiday week to come up with a question from the OTPQs. How do people ask questions via the OTPQs? Why, if you just go to titansonline.com slash OTPQ, there's a form. You fill it out. I collect them weekly so that when these moments come up, I can give you a question. Would you do that for a holiday gift present to the OT people? Ho, 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 guys. This one is from Jacob in Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. There you go. He said, I'm writing this in anticipation of a thrilling win against Houston on Sunday. Um, After our Titans win, I was wondering who you think we would match up against in the postseason, either wild card or beyond. So in it, when it comes to playoffs, who do you think the Tennessee Titans will match up the best with? Also, which AFC team will have the strongest home field advantage? I'll take the first part of that, and I think the Titans are going to, I mean, will match up with the Kansas City Chiefs if you can find a way to get in uh, as the sixth seed is what it would be. And, uh, and that's assuming Kansas City wins on Sunday, and that's who you get whether you like it or not. I, d- I don't think it's a terrible matchup if that happens because the Titans beat Kansas City earlier the season, and they've had some success against the Chiefs in previous years. So you got to take care of business to, to get there, but uh, if that's who you're faced with, it's not a daunting task if you ask me. I, I think the Chiefs are really good. I think the Chiefs are capable of, of getting to the Super Bowl but not if they lose in the first round of the playoffs. And uh, that's what the Titans will be faced with trying to do. Best home field advantage? Mm-hmm. Is, is that what I've got yeah. from Knoxville? That's what you've got. Until until it's proven different, it's New England. Yeah. They're hard to beat up there. I mean, they haven't been beaten up there. <laughs> Once the playoffs start, hard to beat. More than Baltimore. Hard to beat. Hmm. Just look at the trophies. I'm with you. I mean, there, there's some times where you think they're done and then they've got games up there. And I think it's, it's happened last year. They've uh, just handled their opponent in the playoffs. They take it to another level in the postseason. and uh, they're Especially up there. Yeah. 
We've all been there. Are we ready for what's brewing? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let me read the commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> you spoke and we listened. The great taste plant-based Beyond Sausage Sandwich from Dunkin' is now available at Dunkin' locations nationwide. With 10 grams of Beyond Sausage plant-based protein in between a toasted English muffin and delicious egg and cheese. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Dunkin's taking a twist on a new classic, creating a brand new way for you to start your day. So get up, get out, and get into a Dunkin' for a plant-based boost to your mornings and start your day the plant-based way. America runs on Dunkin', and we're so excited that Dunkin' by us here at Metro Center is close to opening. I'll tell you the what. The sign is up. The sign's up? The, the sign, sign is, is up. up. Yes, That's very I saw it good. This morning. They've got like coffee it. machines in there. They're I like working. it. They're hiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. It's good. All Come right. On, we Duncan. should work there. Amy Wells, if we don't win this week, we might need to. <laughs> um, Amy Wells gets to go first. What's brewing with Amy Wells? Well, we already touched on it a little bit, but I just can't get over how much of a solid I think the National Football League did by moving our game to 325. I think that the Kansas City game – that precedes us is going to have more of an impact than we maybe are leading on to. And I think that having the knowledge of what's going on in that game is going to behoove the Tennessee Titans going into that game. I feel like we got a little Christmas gift from the National Football League. Dave McGinnis. Mine's with the National Football League scheduling also. I love the three Saturday games. Those three Saturday games, because we were watching it we had a stake in it. But those three Saturday games, every one of them were good games. They were. And, and I don't know what the numbers were yet, but I'll bet they were really high. The National Football League are marketing geniuses. I like the three. You'd ask me last week if I like the Saturday games. I really like these. Man, they're all great games, too, this mm-hmm. past it was week. It great Man. games. Yep. What's brewing for me is how much sitting down Derrick Henry Sunday is going to help him this coming week in Houston. I mean, how much of a difference will it make? I mean, things played out pretty well for the Titans yesterday. Perfect scenario would have been the Titans find a way to beat the Saints and then to have the Steelers lose. But the fact that the Steelers lost and you're in a winning-in scenario and you've got a running back who obviously had been slowed by that lingering hamstring injury for a couple of weeks, you gave him a, a week off to get right, how much of a difference will it make? I mean, will he be back to the Derrick Henry that we saw when he was ripping off you know, four straight 100-yard games. I think uh, I think it was the smart move to sit them, and uh, we'll see if it pays off Sunday. What's brewing with me is the season finale in 2007. In 2007, the Tennessee Titans go to Indianapolis to play the final game of the regular season, needing to win to make the playoffs. Indianapolis has nothing to play for, And that game ends up being much more difficult than what anyone could have ever imagined. Kerry Collins has to come off the bench for an quote-unquote injured Vince Young and lead the team to a 16-10 victory that got the Titans into the playoffs where they subsequently went on to San Diego to play a first-round game in the rain in Southern California. But never forget how hard it was, which reminds me that no matter who Houston plays this week, they still have professional football players, and this one will be difficult no matter what. Well, that was my point. That was my point to the, to the question prior. 
You prepare like you're playing the best. I was on that coaching staff in 2007. We knew that was going to be a fight. You always will go into it wanting it not to be, but knowing that it's going to be. They That's why this one is. They broke Bo Scaife's spleen in that game. Yeah, I mean that broke game was that game oh, yeah. was not just nobody was playing flag football out there that day. I mean that was a. I, I would believe me. I was there. It was, so a Jim, was that a Jim Sorgi game? Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Well, so Manning played the first series, and they threw like 15 passes to yes. Reggie Wayne so he could win the receiving championship. And then it was Jim Sorgi the rest of the night. You know, the thing is with the league, I mean, you can only make so many players inactive, mm-hmm. and you can only sit down so many guys. So you're going to have, you know, no matter what they do, no matter what Baltimore does against Pittsburgh, you're going to have NF good players out there, as both you and Coach Max said. So, um, it's, it's going to be a challenge no matter who's out there. The Great Taste Plant-Based Beyond Sausage Sandwich from Duncan is here with 10 grams of Beyond Sausage plant-based protein in between a toasted English muffin and delicious egg and cheese. Mm-mm. Duncan has created a brand new way to start your day so you can add a plant-based boost to your mornings. America runs on Duncan. Have you guys been practicing that? No, but She's a trained I feel pretty good about it. I'll tell you what, I need Christmas to get here because I've been going to Duncan two to three times a day to get peppermint mocha coffee. My blood type is peppermint positive right now. Like I am peppermint mocha coffee. It is so good. You get sounds good. You get a sounds coffee, really good. hot coffee, peppermint mocha syrup, little bit of skim milk. Oh, it's so good. But Jim's I, writing it down. I've had <laughs> three hundred and seventy-five pounds of sugar, and I need it. I need the madness to stop. Okay. I had one this morning. Okay. So Christmas come here fast. Yes. Or go to Duncan and get Thank you, Duncan. Mm -hmm. And thank you to all our OTP listeners, the OT people, as Amy likes to call them. The OT people. And what about us having a chance to meet the king of Code Blue yesterday, Ben Gilbert. So fun. So the ticket office folks do something really cool. The people at our ticket office are just fantastic. But they did, I guess they did some sort of drawing, and they got to come take a tour and part of the tour was coming to the Titans radio booth. Second prize was three trips to the Titans radio booth. <laughs> you had uh, to actually It was sit actually up there. a prize, and we're glad <laughs> that they came. But uh, Ben Gilbert's family won, and so we got to meet Ben Gilbert and uh, his entire family. It was, it was good stuff. That was great. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We were really happy to have him up there. And how happy were they to be up Seemed there? Seemed pretty happy. It was yeah. nice. It was a really, really nice moment. That was very, very cool. And they that was really good. I liked that a lot. All right. So that's going to do it for this abbreviated Monday edition of the OTP. Merry Christmas to all of you. If you want to follow Jim Wyatt on social media, you do it via? You go at J. Wyatt Sports. At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. And you can listen to Dave McGinnis and me on Titans Radio. Remember, we are on the air Sunday at 2.30 Central, 2.30 Central, 3.25 Central time kickoff. That's a change from NRG Stadium. Winning your end for the Titans. For Jim White, Amy Wells, and Dave McGinnis, Mike Keith says thanks for listening to the OTP. OTP.